All right, in this week's parasha, Parashat Lech Lecha, uh, so we, there's a famous moment, or, well, all the moments in the parasha are to a certain extent famous. So there's a famous moment where an individual comes and tells Avraham that his relative Lot has been taken captive. And uh, if you could find a more jarring and appropriate pasuk for this time period when captives and hostages are now on our mind, I'm not certain you could. I think this is the pasuk, at least that stands out in my mind as most relevant and almost touched a chord when I was uh, reviewing the parasha this week. Anyway, the specifics in terms of how Avraham is notified, the pasuk says, Vayavo hapalit vayaged le'avram ha'ivri. There's an individual who's the palit. Palit is most easily translated as a refugee. There was a refugee from the war which was taking place in Sedom, where Lot was, and tells him that his brother-in-law, or his nephew, better yet, Lot had been taken captive. But the description of him as a palit, although it seems to obscure who he is, already raises our attention. It doesn't just say that Abraham found out. It says that refu- the refugee came and told Abraham. To the best of my knowledge. What's your refuge? Okay. Believe it or not, I prepared. Rashi, thank you, Rashi says it's not a palit per se only from this war. It's the palit. It's the refugee. Who do we imagine in a Torah vision? Is the refugee oh. Oh. He had been a refugee from the war. Now, again, in my mind, there's more to him being a refugee from the war, according to the Midrash of the Hachamim, according to the Gemara in Masechet Zevachim and Davkof Yod Gimal. Og Melech Bashan, later the king of Bashan, was a refugee not only of this war, but a refugee, refugee of the Mabu. This Og Melech HaBashan, this mysterious individual, is the person in the eyes of the rabbis who's reporting to Avraham that Lot, his nephew, has been taken captive. It's an interesting description. What are we supposed to learn from that, in turn, about what's taking place? Again, it may have been Og. Is it necessary for you and me to learn that? Do we need to know about that? Is there something we're supposed to be able to take home from an understanding that in the eyes of the rabbis, this was an Og personality who tells him this. Furthermore, Rashi writes at the end from the rabbis, Umitkaven sheyehareg Avram sarah. What was the objective? What was the intention of Og? It was that Avraham would be killed in trying to go get his brother-in-law, get his nephew Lot, and in turn, Og would take Sarah as his wife. Where did that come from? It goes from strange to stranger from difficult to understand to almost impossible to understand. I would suggest, however, initially, before understanding the message, by means of another Gemara, Gemara in Masechet Nidan Dav Samech Aleph. See, the Gemara in Masechet Nidan Dav Samech Aleph suggests that not only, as the Gemara says elsewhere, was Og saved from the Mabul through Noah's help of him, allowing for him to hold on to the Teva in some respect, but where did he begin? who was Og a descendant of. And the understanding of the Gemara, of the rabbis, is that Og was a descendant of what the Torah describes in Parashat Bereshit as Bene Elohim, the Nephilim, some sort of angelic beings whom the Torah, at the end of Parashat Bereshit, describes. And if you pay careful attention to the way the Torah tells us about these Bene Elohim, the Pasuk says, 
that they began to proliferate in the land, and they in turn took excuse me, the Pasuk says they in turn took from Benot, there was Bene Elohim, there were daughters and women who were born, at the beginning of Perek Vav, these Bene Elohim, all the part of them, it seems, saw these women, they saw they were tobot, and they went after the human, human women as they pleased. If that's the group that Og came from, according to the rabbis, it stands to reason we've solved a little bit of the riddle with regards to what's his intention of going after Sarah. What are the rabbis, what does Rashi mean? Rashi is trying to hint to us indeed that this Og is none other than, in the eyes of the rabbis, the Og who came from them. Again, we've pieced together some of those pieces. We've made a puzzle which has a picture, but what's the picture telling us? Why is it necessary then for us to see Og in this context and to say, oh, of course he was the person speaking to Avraham in this moment. I would suggest the following by means of again remembering that the rabbi's vision is that Og was saved by none other than Noah. And to contrast, as we often do, Noah to Abraham, and to understand the difference initially between the two of them and then the significance of this Og angelic being as the divider. You see, the difference between Noah and Abraham is the difference between a person, and we're all familiar with these two types of people, unfortunately, a person who's focused on themselves and on their own growth. And oftentimes, we imagine that we grow best and most when we're detached from others. People distract me, people annoy me, people take me off the straight path, they tempt me into all sorts of nonsense, they take me away from my avodat Hashem. That's a Noah personality. If the land, if the world is evil, I'm going to build for myself a teva and run away from it. Abraham, from the onset, and throughout his story life, as the Torah tells it to us, is the opposite. Abraham is the one who's gathering others. He's all the people, Asher Asu Haram, we read, and Rashi interprets that as the people they brought into the religion, brought into monotheism. Abraham is constantly not shying away from others, but talking and mingling and describing himself as a person of the people, the antithesis of Noah. That, I believe, is the key to understanding an Og personality over here. Because, last Gemara in terms of deciphering this, the Gemara in a very telling passage describes what angels are as opposed to human beings. It's a well-known Gemara in Masechet Shabbat The rabbis say that the angels turn to God and say, why are you giving the Torah to human beings? Give it instead to us. God in turn says, let Moshe defend them. Let Moshe defend this decision and Moshe's description, his defense, is very telling. It's, it's historical at best. Uh, Moshe's response is, angels, I know you'll fulfill the Torah perfectly, but do you have a challenge? Do you have parents that it's going to be difficult to honor? I don't think so. Do you have to overcome jealousy or hatred of another? I don't think so. Our performance of the Torah is fulfilled best vis-a-vis -vis our engagement with other people. Angels who don't need to engage with others. Angels who have no challenges are in turn secluded, don't have any of that circumstance. Torah, as Moshe described it to us, as Abraham embodied, 
is a living entity for us in which we engage with other people. We involve ourselves with others. Og was a personality for Noah. An angel is a Noah personality. I don't need other people. Other people will only get in my way. They'll ruin my performance of things. Noah on his teva, away from humanity, has an Og together with him. He needs angels with him. Angels are not interested and don't have any involvement with human beings in their growth and their challenges. So to Noah, Og. Og, in turn, in the eyes of the rabbis, is the being, the angel who comes to Avraham in this moment and challenges him. <coughs> Avraham, here's your challenge. Are you going to choose the Noah life or the Avraham Moshe life? Are you going to, in a moment where, why get my hands dirty with saving my captive nephew who abandoned me? Why get involved in a conflict which is not my own? Why have my mind and heart, I speak to each of us, on a land which is distant in the physical sense from our own, if we can be working on our own community, if we could be working on our own family? The Og personality, the angel mindset turns to Avraham and says, Avraham, what's your decision in this moment? Are you going or are you staying? If you stay, you have security. If you stay, you can grow yourself like an angel. If you stay, you can build a teva like Noah. You don't need to get involved. None of those security threats, none of those headaches and nightmares and involvements with fighting off others and determining what to do in order to bring a captive nephew who abandoned your ways anyway, who you were detached from based on his decision. Avraham's decision in turn, though, is quite telling to each of us. It's Avram Ha'ivri, first and foremost, as Rashid explains over here. Ivri means he stands separate from other human beings. He's above and beyond. Avraham teaches us our own responsibility. You're going to detach yourself? You're going to seclude yourself from the collective? You're going to say, I have better growth if I don't get involved in that? You're going to determine that that's your way to win life by being a person who's detached from it? You're missing the whole objective of Torah. You're missing the objective of what it means to be a Jew. To me, a Jew means to realize that I have responsibilities that lie sometimes oceans over oftentimes worlds apart from myself, but it'll be just a distraction to my own growth. Wrong. That will be your growth. It reminds me in terms of a relationship to one another. There's a well-known story about uh, Rabbi Aryeh Levine. Rabbi Aryeh Levine, who's known as the Sadiq of Yerushalayim, the Tzadik of Yerushalayim. The famous story, whether it's true or not, unfortunately, they're not telling it about me for several reasons. He went with his wife to a doctor. First and foremost, I don't go to doctors. I don't go to doctors with my wife either. I wish I did both. Anyway, he walks into the doctor and he says, our arm is hurting us or our leg is hurting us. So the doctor looked at him and said, what are you talking about? Point to which is our leg. And of course he pointed to his wife's leg because if his wife's leg was hurting her, it was hurting him as well. The perspective of Avraham in this moment is that if there's someone suffering, certainly if it's family, but even if it's somehow related to me, that's my responsibility. Og might encourage him to take the Noah perspective, the angel perspective. We can perform Torah and mitzvot better than human beings if we're not involved with human beings. 
Avraham's decision is to be an Ivri, to stand apart and to say, no, this is my responsibility. This is what I'm going to do. I spoke about it on Kippur as well. I even told the Hasidic story on Kippur. The story is about the Alter Rebbe of Chabad. And the story in turn was that he was studying Torah in a room with his son. And as they're studying Torah, he hears his grandson crying in the adjacent room. And his son doesn't hear the crying of his baby but the grandfather does, runs out of the room and walks back into the room, cradling that baby whom he heard crying, turning to his son and saying, what happened? Had you not hear the baby? He said, I'm sorry, Dad. I was so immersed in the study of Torah, I couldn't hear the baby crying, to which his father, the Alter Rebbe of Chabad, said to him, any person who can't hear the cry of a baby while they're studying Torah isn't truly studying Torah. To be a person who embodies Torah and mitzvot is to be a person who realizes, who understands, it's my responsibility. Listen to what Avraham even does. It's a crazy circumstance. He gathers together quickly all the people of his household. How many? 318 people. And it's the most laugh-out-loud moment ever. Avraham, in a moment, gets involved in a World War with 318 household members of his own. I mean, that's nonsense. And of course he wins. But what was he thinking? The victory, fantastic. We could look at it afterwards and say, wow, brilliant. In the moment, what was he thinking? I think what he was thinking in the moment was, and I believe each of us could and should be thinking that way right now as well, if this is my responsibility, I'm all in. That's where I'm going. This is where I'm going. That's what I'm doing. How's it going to work out? What exactly is it that I'm going to be able to affect? I can't be thinking like that. I know this is my responsibility. The Avraham personality in turn is at odds with Noah, is at odds with an Og. Og, an angel, turns to Avraham and says to him, Og is an angel, according to the Hachamim. That's the Gemara Nidan Daf Samichal. That's the hint, that's the clue, if you recall, Rashi was trying for us to pick up on. Rashi says his objective was to get Sarai. So we'll say, ooh, when do I know people trying to take, oh, that's the Bnei HaElohim, that's the angelic beings. The Og personality is at odds with Avraham. Avraham's actions in this moment teach each of us that to hear the cry of the other and to act upon it is not only a possibility, it's the responsibility of us as Shomre Torah Mitzvot Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.